Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first ever episode of the You Don't Know Ball podcast. Uh, I'm Joe Kreger. I'm here with Tanner Herrera, and uh, we're ready to talk some football. How you feeling, Tanner? Pretty excited, you know. I, I don't really know how this idea came up. I think one day you just texted me, and at baseball practice, we just talk about football a lot and get on people's nerves talking a lot. Coach Palm gets pissed, <laughs> but I'm excited to do this. Yeah, yeah, me too. I think I think it'll be a lot of fun, um, especially since we seem to be two of the more knowledgeable people about the game of football on the team, especially. So um, hopefully everybody else can listen to this for almost a teaching moment. Couldn't agree anymore. Some special shout-outs, but I'm not going to name any people too early in this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, let's, uh, yeah, let's pump the brakes on that before we get started too much. But yeah, today we're just going to talk about kind of a summary of week three throughout the NFL, go through a lot of the games, some different storylines, some team outlooks, some division outlooks. Um, later in the episode, we're going to dive into a little bit of college football from last week, and then we're going to try to finish it off with a uh, preview of week four uh, in the NFL, which starts tomorrow with uh, our team's plan. So... So let's start off with the last week's Thursday night's games, the Giants and the Niners. So the Niners pulled that one out. They, they didn't really pull it out. It was uh, they pretty much had it the whole way, thirty to twelve. Um, Brock Purdy continued to play well. He's got the second best QBR in the league, um, and the Giants looked lost again after a big comeback win over the Cardinals. So, um, where do we start? Let's start with uh, Daniel Jones in that game and, and, and kind of what we're feeling about him. So, he had 137 yards, no touchdowns, and an interception, um, as well as two carries for five yards. Now, I know that 49ers defense is, is, is potent, to say the least, but, uh, I mean, that's just almost non-existent from the quarterback position. Yeah, I'm not I'm not the biggest Daniel Jones fan to start with, but I will say playing elite defense and your number one wide receiver being Darius Slayton or Wandell Robinson, I mean, there's not much to do there. And then your number one target, Darren Waller, I mean, he only has three catches. That's the most productive guy they got on offense right now with Barkley out. And then only running the ball 11 times, you're not even keeping the defense on. So they didn't give themselves a shot to win, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, I would agree completely. I, I mean, the Giants, after making that – I, that Cinderella run almost last year and going to the playoffs, I, I guess I didn't, wouldn't say I have had high hopes for them coming into this year, but I definitely thought they'd be at least competitive. And, I mean, I think especially in that division, the NFC East, they, they're definitely the worst team, I would even say. I mean, I would say the Commanders look, have looked better. Um, now they got shut out by the Bills, but – or what they do, score three points against the Bills. So, I mean, they didn't have an impressive outing either, but with a quarterback who's never played a game before, I, yeah, the Giants just uh, did not look good at all. Um, and the 49ers looked like they might be the best team in the league. I 100% I agree. They, they have either the first or second best defense in the NFL seemingly every year almost. And then they run the ball at ease almost with the best running back in the league, mm -hmm. and I'd say probably a top three to five offensive line in the league. And then Brock Purdy has got his haters out there, but the guy just produces. It's an easy system to be good in, but, yeah, I mean, there's other easy systems to be good in that 
people aren't getting in the league. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It it, it definitely pains me to say it because I am not a Niners guy. They've kicked out my Packers more than once in the playoffs. But um, for sure, the, the way Shanahan runs that offensive scheme, it's it's just very difficult to – very difficult to fail. I mean, giving the ball to Christian McCaffrey 18 times, 18 to 20 times a game, and, you know, he gets in the receiving game. I mean, Brock Purdy works off the play action, right? So I, I honestly feel, talking more specifically about Brock Purdy, that just about any NFL-level quarterback can run that offense successfully. Like, it's just uh, – I don't know, just just with the uh, constant running and how how effectively they do that, it's they run the play action off that. And I mean, you watch the game; it's just hitting a wide open drag route and letting your receiver run with the ball. And all of a sudden, Brock Purdy throws for 310 yards and two touchdowns. So, and and I would say just in general on that roster, probably for the past five or six years, I mean. They are probably one of the deepest teams in the league. Someone goes down, there's a guy to step up, or one of the star players regressing. A new guy comes in and refills them. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only big mistake they've had in the front office in probably the past five, six years is trading those first round picks for Trey Lance, who, I mean, he really honestly didn't even get a shot, broke his ankle in what, week two, week three last year, and then had a bad preseason and traded him to Dallas for a fourth round pick, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 I think so. I mean, it's probably one of the best. I, w- I would say right now it's probably the best all-around, well-run franchise in the NFL. Oh, I, I would agree. Um, but I am a little bit interested. I, I hate to say excited, but I am a little bit interested to see what they do in the next uh, year or so because the uh, the cap is going to be closing down on them here a little bit. I mean, they got to pay Christian McCaffrey. They just extended Nick Bosa. A whole lot of money is going to go towards him. you got to play – Fred Warner, George Kittle, Trent Williams. I mean, they got a lot of big names there, and it is very difficult in the NFL to retain that many big names because of the cap. Now, there are ways around it, but it's going to be very interesting to see how, they, uh, how they're able to work through that. And, I mean, they're not going to be able to replace or be able to keep everybody, so it's going to be interesting to see how they replace them and, and if they can continue to, to be as potent as they have been and uh, see how far they can go. But, yeah, I, I would agree right now. I would say the Niners are probably the team to beat in the NFL. Um, I mean, that kind of brings us into our next game uh, with the Dolphins and the Broncos. Uh, that was, wasn't was much of a game at all. That was a good old-fashioned ass-whooping right there. Yeah, giving up 70 points in, in the NFL is just borderline asinine. I I don't, I don't know how, how a team can get get crushed that bad and just have it add up time after time after time. I mean, they didn't. I think the only field goal that the Dolphins had to attempt was at the end of the game to try to break the scoring record. Like took a knee instead. Yeah, that that was the only time that was even an option. The the Broncos defense was non-existent. It was it was just terrible. So. Um, that kind of brings us into the Dolphins, and I think it's tough to argue that they don't have the best offense in the league um, overall. Like, it's – yeah, it might not be as physical as a team like the Eagles or even the Niners, 
but the speed that they have, the the guys that they have, I mean, it's it's definitely the fastest offense in the NFL, and it's going to be interesting to see how that plays down the line when they start playing some more physical defenses. But um, yeah, it was. I mean, that was just a fantasy uproar. It, <laughs> there was so many upsets this year because or this week because of uh, you know Devon Archain dropping fifty one points and Monster doing. 45, Tua doing 40. Tyreek Hill had a great game, too. So, Yeah, just touching on the Miami run game, I mean, running for 350 yards as a team, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, that's that's ridiculous. I will say, though, I don't think Miami's run game will sustain that excess. I think their yeah. passing game will still be elite. Because, I mean, the majority of the time when Miami's running the ball, they're on outside zone. I mean, the majority of the plays they run are all based off this one play. They're talking about it last Patriots Dolphins was that Sunday night football mm-hmm. last week. Mm-hmm. Like Tua literally turns around and then two guards pull. It's kind of like RPO and like they base like their whole offense off of it kind of which I mean the way they run it I can't see much success from the run game. It's almost just to set up the pass basically or deep play action. But I mean I could see why the Dolphins had success against Denver running the ball. I'm looking at Denver's defensive stats this game and to be honest with you, I can't name one single defensive tackle or defensive line besides maybe one or two guys on here. I mean, it's not good. Yeah. Yeah, Denver is definitely – I don't know, dude. Um, they've got – their backs are against the wall. They are in a in a shitty position, to say the least. They just – they traded, what, a first and a second for Sean Payton. He's – not gotten his first win as a Bronco yet. I mean, and it's not like he's played three phenomenal teams either. He lost to the Commanders. And who is who did he lose to in week one? Do you remember? Week one. It was it was a close game. Oh, it was a close game. Uh, was it oh, shit. the Raiders? It was the Raiders, Vegas? Yeah. It was the Raiders, Raiders yeah. yeah. So it was, um, I mean, the, and the Raiders are, I would argue, bottom of the barrel in the NFL. And the commanders aren't too far away from that. So I think it's difficult to argue against. I would would say that whole AFC West is, it might be the shittiest division in football. Yeah. The Broncos are horrible. The Raiders are horrible. The Chargers have zero defense at all. The only thing keeping them alive is Kellen Moore and Justin Herbert. Mm -hmm. And then you have the Chiefs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Chiefs are obviously an outlier there. But I think, I mean, you bring the Chargers up. That's a very similar team with the Dolphins, right? They just – I mean, you saw it when they played. The, what was their 80 almost combined points in that game? Yeah. There's just no defense played, and that's why I think the Dolphins won't have sustained success uh, in the playoffs. Um, I think they could go win 13, 14 games this year, but I don't think that it's going to happen more than once in the playoffs especially if they have to go into Buffalo or Kansas City when it's cold and try to air them out. I mean, it's just defense wins championships, and the Dolphins don't play much of that. I I will say, though, for Miami, I think my personal opinion, I think the three top defenses in the NFL are all in the NFC. The Mm -hmm. Eagles, the Cowboys, the 49ers, and I I would maybe even go – I'd – Maybe I don't know. After that, I guess it gets kind of close. But 
I'd maybe even go a fourth NFC team before I go AFC, unless you'd put Baltimore over New Orleans right now. But I think New Orleans has a good defense. That's the only thing keeping that team above water. The the Saints, yeah, yeah, yeah I would I would agree. Um, we'll get into that game a little more later, but um, yeah, I you can argue that there's just not a ton of, especially um, next level defense played in the AFC. Like you see teams like obviously Baltimore has got a good defense. Uh, the Steelers year to year are always solid defensively. Bill Belichick always got his guys playing a good defense. Um, but one underrated team. Honestly, I would say in the AFC is the Browns defensively. Uh, Jim Schwartz has got that crew playing some pretty good defense. I'm not, I'm not going to deny. Former Lion coach, baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, he's he's got them looking pretty good over there. So I I would even argue that, yeah, it's between them and the uh, the Ravens right now for who has the best defense in the AFC. And like you said, the NFC obviously plays a lot more top-level defensive games. So from that, let's go into – we talked a little bit about the Chargers already, so let's talk about their last game. Uh, we got Vikings-Chargers. Chargers pulled that one out barely because of a, what, a two- or three-timed tipped interception in the end zone up yeah. by four. That well, was uh, interesting dro- to watch. Drop drop pass from TJ Hawkinson. Hit him straight in the f- numbers. Yeah. Bounced yeah. up in the air. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, the strong hands didn't really come through on that one. Um, yeah, but the Chargers offensively looked really good, um, as they usually do. Justin Herbert was almost flawless. The whole offense. 40 for 47 for 405 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, you attempt 47 passes and you only throw seven incompletions. That's that's a pretty good day. I mean, even Keenan Allen threw for 50 yards and a touchdown, and I think that might be a little testament to that uh, lackluster Vikings defense. Um, I, I've, I've seen better. I, I could drive through the streets of Detroit right now and find better cornerbacks than what the Vikings got in their roster. It is a dumpster fire over there in Minnesota on defense. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And then in, in the offseason, they, they decided in the first round with that lackluster defense, we're going to take another wide receiver that front office needs to fix some things. Yeah, it just it just didn't make any sense. And they have a brand-new uh, GM, too, that they got from the Browns. Um, I am not going to attempt to pronounce his name just because I don't know how. But he – I believe this was his first draft. And t- not targeting defense. I mean, they brought in Brian Flores this year, and I – I mean, that's a guy I really wanted my Packers to target. That's that's the guy I wanted. I didn't want to see Joe Barry coaching the defense again. But here we are in week three, and he is. But I really wanted a guy like Brian Flores to come in, and I thought he would do well. But I don't know if I can pin that on him in Minnesota. Like you said, that defense is, is, is atrocious. There's, there's really just not – I mean, there's not much talent to work with there. I mean, their best quarterback's – Byron Murphy and he, he was, was the he was three in Arizona before he was he was supposed to be elite when he got drafted out of Arizona and then he ended up just getting bumped down the depth chart more and more and more and then their best pass rusher right now is 
38-year-old Daniel Hunter. I mean, the dude's almost in a wheelchair out there playing. Is he actually 38 years I old? No, he's he's like 33, 34, I'm, I'm okay. sure. But And then Harrison Smith in the back end, he's almost in a wheelchair too. He's yeah. like 35. Yeah, they're getting – I mean, yeah, they're getting old. I mean, Daniel Hunter has been for sure a diamond in the rough for that – for that defense, I believe he leads the NFL in sacks right now with six. No, he's second behind T.J. Watt. So he he's playing well, but nobody else is. Um, and the Chargers made – I'm surprised they only – with the amount of yardage and the stats they put up, I'm surprised they only put up 28 points. Um, well, late late in that game, I think the Chargers were – I think they were, they were winning 28-24 or – was it? I don't know. They, they were winning, but they went for it on fourth down. On, I think it was like the Vikings, forty somewhere in that area, and they they got stuffed, and everyone was coming at what's his, what's his name Sta- Staley? Yeah, Brandon Staley. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Everyone was coming at his throat. I I honestly don't think the Chargers will ever go anywhere because that dude is supposed to be some defensive guru, but his defense seems to always get ran all over. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I think both teams are in. For a long year, if they don't figure out their defense, because I know the Chargers got gashed by the Viking or by the Dolphins week one, mm-hmm. and then week two, the Titans' offense besides week two when they played the Chargers has been horrible. So I mean, I don't know. Maybe and then for the Vikings going forward, I think it's maybe it's maybe it's time for a change. Kirk Cousins going his last year of his contract. Yeah, and three start. Mm-hmm. Everyone seems upset. Yeah, I I would agree. I think I think the Vikings and Chargers are very similar teams. Um, how much I would love to say I don't think the Vikings will win a game this year. The offense is gonna bring them a win or two. I mean, Kirk is a, a solid quarterback. Jeff Justin Jefferson's obviously the best wide receiver in the NFL. They've got Hawkinson. They've got Jordan Addison. They've got Alexander Madison. So they got some weapons on offense, and the offense will carry them to a few wins. But, I mean, if I look at the Vikings, I don't see many more than six wins. I I just don't know where if the other team plays any sort of defense. I mean, they're almost to the point where if you get one stop, you're, you're, you're going to win the game. Like, it's, it's, it's terrible. It's, they don't necessarily have an easy schedule either this year. I think they have, like, a going into the year is like, fourth or fifth yeah maybe third hard, hardest schedule yeah mm-hmm. so not looking good so yeah I, what so what do you what do you do in minnesota how, how do you fix that what i've you know you've heard the rumors people talk right maybe you send kirk to the jets maybe you trade him before the end of this year try to get something out of him before that contract runs up kind of what like what the packers did to the, with the jets now i know the jets just signed simeon is that today, yesterday? Yeah, yesterday. Sorry. Because Zach Wilson is is just about worthless at the quarterback position. Yeah. Um, after that, uh, we could talk about that game a little bit here, the Jets and Patriots. Uh, a 15-10 win from the Patriots. That's, uh, sounds like about how Bill Belichick's getting his wins nowadays. Uh, they're not putting up many points over there in New England. But uh, after the four plays of Aaron Rodgers, the Jets offense took a absolute nosedive. And uh, for having, I would argue, going into the season after they signed Dalvin Cook, I would argue the best double, the best two-headed monster in the NFL going into the year, possibly. I can't really think of another team that has running backs like Dalvin Cook and Brees Hall. But, I mean, I think it's back-to-back weeks where neither of them rush for over 20 yards. Mm-hmm. And 
I will say I watched that week one game, Jets versus Bills. That offensive line is atrocious. The, yeah. on, the only one that could block anyone is the right tackle, that rookie. And he's been hurt, I think, before this year. He was hurt 33 of the 34 games coming into this year. So this is really his first season ever playing healthy. And, I mean, they brought in all these weapons. I take it easy on the weapons. Randall Cobb's Almost past wheelchair. his prime. Yep. That's, that's Al, sure. Alan Lazard's solid. Got Garrett Wilson. And then, obviously, Dalvin Cook and Brees Hall are good in the receiving game, too. McCole Hardman, they brought him in, too. I haven't used him at all. I honestly don't think I he has a reception, he on, I don't think he has reception on the year. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, why even put Hardman out there? I mean, he's a deep threat. Can Wilson even throw a ball over 20 yards? I, that dude's horrible. Yeah, yeah. He's horrible. Yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't sniffed being an accurate passer past the first down marker. I'm, I mean, that's without getting a penalty. So, it's just... Yeah, their their offense has fallen off a cliff with the injury of Rodgers. And I saw today that a player at practice threw a football, I think, at Salah, and they had to get pulled off of each other. And so the defense, the defense is at Salah's neck right now. Yeah. So who knows what the hell is going to happen there? Um, so is it even worth it for the Jets to look into trading for a quarterback like? Kirk Cousins. I, if if I'm the Jets, this team right now is built to win right now. The way he did everything with Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins is on his last year of his contract. Aaron says he's going to come back next year. I mean, why not? Why 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 not try to go get Kirk? Give up your first round pick because if if you're bringing in Kirk, you're expecting to be successful. I mean, you have a defense. If you bring in Kirk, your offense should be, I would say, at least middle of the pack or above average. Mm-hmm. I would I would assume it'd be a playoff team, and you're in a win now situation. So I don't see why they would try to even if it's not Kirk Cousins. I mean, there's there's free agents out there. I I don't care if people are like, well, you can't give up on Zach Wilson. Yeah, you can. The dude's horseshit. He's the worst fucking quarterback in the league, yeah. and it's not even close. Actually, it is close. There's one quarterback in the NFC North, but we'll get to him in a little bit. But yeah, yeah, um, he's horrible. <laughs> yeah, he yeah he hasn't shown anything. I mean, since he got drafted. I thought that was a reach when he got drafted. I mean, you hadn't seen him, you hadn't seen a ton of arm talent. You hadn't seen a ton of he hadn't played a ton of competition in college. And you, you go up and pick him at number two, and you think he's going to be all this, and he ends up sitting behind a goddamn near forty year old Joe Flacco in in what year two. So yeah. it's I I don't know how. What else you need to see to give up on Zach Wilson? I mean, sometimes as a GM, when you're drafting, you fuck up. Like, it, it just happens. You, you miss draft picks all the time. One one thing that I remember with the Packers, I think they had a top five pick, maybe even number two overall, and they picked Tony Mandrich over guys like Deion Sanders, Barry Sanders, Derek Brooks. I mean, that, that wins the Packers some Super Bowls with that pick, right? But sometimes you fuck up as a GM, and it, it just happens. But the best GMs can realize early enough that they messed up and move on. Go go get a different guy. Maybe you can even probably toss over Zach Wilson to the Vikings for Kirk Cousins and throw in a third-round pick. There Help you go. tank. Now, now you don't even – yeah, exactly. Now you don't even have to give up your first-round pick. Because you don't want to give up your first-round pick so you can go get Caleb Williams if you can beat the Bears out for last place. So, I will, I will say I got something about 
I actually I heard something today, and I want to hear your answer on this. So if you're a GM and you're uh, in the draft process, normally there's like two, three quarterbacks everyone's thinking about. Normally, like your clear cut one and then two and three are like interchangeable. It's whatever you think, whoever you think's better. So if you're if you're looking into a guy, you're a GM, and they're at a smaller school. The team names eight captains in college. This is this is this guy's junior year. I think he got drafted junior year. He was not named a captain out of eight guys his junior year. Star quarterback, supposed to go in the first round, not named a captain. Captain. He got put into the uh, leadership commandment team or something. They made up a name for him just to make it seem like he's a leader. But <laughs> if if I'm looking at a quarterback, obviously I'm talking about Zach Wilson. I don't. W- would you even look into some a quarterback if they don't have any leadership qualities? Yeah, that that's really difficult because I don't think there's a position in sports in team sports more that relies on one specific guy. Like, the things a quarterback needs to know, I mean, everything that they need to know is, um, I mean, they need to know the offense. They need to know what every player does on every single play. And it is really difficult to get a guy that doesn't have good leadership qualities to, to be that quarterback. And especially if, like you said, they hadn't come from a big school, right? They didn't play top-level talent, top-level NFL talent on defense every week. They didn't play um, with other good receivers. They didn't show uh, in very impressive arm talent. Like, I, I don't really know how you can take a guy like that in the first round. Like, it just doesn't – I mean – if, if the stats are there, I'm not saying you can't pick him, but in the first round, especially high, to rely on that guy to be your franchise dude, especially in a place like New York, I don't know, dude. I, I don't think I'd touch it. And then I got one more thing before we move on this game. It's about the Patriots. We haven't really talked about it much, but, I mean, the Patriots have been a dynasty. Well, mm-hmm. kind of falling off now. But – for the past, I don't know, I, I would say since, like, the end of, like, Gronk and Edelman area, it seems like in the skill position, I mean, Mac Jones, I I honestly don't think Mac Jones is that bad. I, I know that's kind of a unpopular opinion. A lot of people don't really think he's that good, but his weapons for the past, what, this is third year? Right? My third or fourth. Third yeah. year. His weapons, Devontae Parker, I mean, he, he was – trash try to bring him revive his career Mike Giusecki got basically just thrown on the streets from Miami because they didn't use a tight end in the offense try to revive his career Ezekiel Elliott is horrible I mean that dude he it's like he has concrete blocks on his feet running through the hole trying to revive his career uh yeah Najee Harris is the only guy I'm thinking of that's looks any worse than him Juju Smith-Schuster trying to revive his career ever since his sensational rookie year and then Hunter Henry I actually think is a solid player but besides that i mean it's just kendrick Bourne. kendrick Bourne's kendrick Bourne's their number one wide receiver like the dude doesn't have anyone to throw to and the way that offense is ran it's either a screenplay or it's a curl or dig i mean the only time i saw him open up the offense against the eagles week one i actually thought mac jones looked good yeah yeah i don't hate mac jones i think mac jones is definitely good enough to be a starting quarterback in the nfl um do I think he's a good one? Mm, yes and no. I mean, I don't know. I think he needs a definitely a lot more help skill position-wise, and he needs a really good defense if he's going to 
be successful, make playoff runs, stuff like that. So, you know, yeah, I don't hate him, but definitely you're right. I mean, it, it kind of is looking right now like the New England Patriots' skill positions on offense is a place careers go to die. Um, and it's just, I mean, it's, I, I'm not going to say it's too bad. They definitely had their time to shine in their, you know, after your high highs, usually in sports you get some low lows, especially when you're playing in a league with a salary cap and you can't just buy out all the good players. So, I mean, I I really like Bill Belichick. Um, I think he's definitely one of the best coaches of all time. And I I would say that um, he should uh, – he deserves to go out on a little bit of a higher note, but I think his time is, is definitely coming. So, yeah, uh, on the Patriots. So, let's move over to the Houston Texans versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. And this was the first win of the season for the Houston Texans with a final score of 37-17. to 17. Now, the Jaguars, to start with them, I thought they were going to actually be a pretty good team this year. They played good defense last year. They added some weapons on offense this year. They played really good week one against the Colts. And I was like, okay, you know, that team is definitely far and away the best in that division. And, you know, here they are now at one and two after getting shit stomped by the Houston Texans who have nothing else other than a rookie quarterback. Yeah, as far as Jacksonville goes, ever since Doug Peterson was at the Eagles, I just think he's a coach besides that one Cinderella run they had with Nick Foles. I just think he's the type of coach that comes in you go ten and seven, nine and eight, eight and nine, but you'll ne- you'll never be elite because the guy is just he's not a bad coach, but he's not like an elite coach, and it sucks because that roster that roster is good. Christian Kirk, Travis Etienne, mm-hmm. Evan Ingram. I think Trevor Lawrence is arguably a top six, seven quarterback in the league. Mm-hmm. Somewhere eight, maybe somewhere. Calvin in that Ridley. Range. Yeah, Calvin Ridley. And then they got gadget guys. They got a good returner, Jamal Agnew. Shout out Jamal Agnew, best returner in the NFL. <laughs> And then defensively, I I think he fumbled last week. <laughs> everyone makes mistakes, but defensively, I think they got a good team. I mean, they went in the Arrowhead last year and almost beat the Chiefs. I mean, I thought coming this year, far and away, I think they're still going to win the AFC South. I would presumably think, but you would think they'd figure it out. Yeah, you would think they'd figure it out, and um, you know, but but this week was undeniably a dud. I mean, yeah, I they. Looking at these stats here, they outperformed Jackson or Houston on offense. They outrushed them. They outpassed them. Obviously, more total yards, but they got outscored by 20, and they didn't do well on third down. They, I mean, they even held the ball for longer, but they did not. They they got outscored by 20. Now I didn't watch this game, so I wasn't. I'm not the most. Uh, I, I didn't watch much more than the highlights, so I don't know exactly how everything happened. But um, I will say, on the Houston side of things, Stroud did look like a pretty good quarterback, which kind of surprised me. Hurts it hurts me to say that because going into the draft last year, I said that C.J. Stroud's not going to be very good. Me too. I still me don't. Too. I still don't think that he's going to be an elite guy, but it seems like. I, do you know who the OC in Texas, Texas is right now? I have no idea who the. Um, 
I don't know. Who. DeMarco Ryan's coach, right? Head coach. Yeah, DeMarco Ryan's. Ryan's is the head coach. Well, whoever's running that offense is doing a great job because C.J. Stroud is a one-read quarterback, and that's all he is, and I still firmly believe that. So whoever's drawing up plays out there is doing the same thing that Ryan Day was doing at Ohio State. Fuck Ryan Day. Anyways. And they also added, I mean, there's weapons there, you could say. I mean, John Mechie is his first season playing. Nico Collins has always just been whatever. I would say he's a, been a wide receiver three basically his whole NFL career. But then they brought in Tank Dell, a little speedy guy. Mm-hmm. Kind of reminds me of, like, not Tyreek Hill, but, like. Archetype Tyreek Hill. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to compare people to him, but I, I mean, know what you mean. Yeah. I mean, like, a shitty Walmart Tyreek Hill. Mm-hmm. But, and then, even in the first three games, I think C.J. Stroud's basically, I think he's thrown over, I mean, this was his lowest Past times, I think so. They're just letting them swing. I mean, their backfield's not. I don't think Singletary or Pierce are really good, but yeah. they're just basically letting him swing. I think. I don't think he has a pick either. For I think nope, he, he threw the ball forty right. times first two weeks and now thirty. I mean, he's actually not looking bad. But I mean, I don't know who who they play week one. Uh, week one was uh, good question. They play the Colts week two, right? Yeah. Week one, I I don't know, but I don't. I mean, they haven't really played an elite defense yet, so. Let's not go too far on a limb saying Oh, Ravens. They played Ravens week one. So, I mean. Uh, uh, Ravens are a good defense. An above average defense. Yeah, I, I don't know how many points they scored or what Stroud. I think Stroud had like a 50. I, I think that was a game he was like 25, 47, something like that. Not for sure. But he had like a 50-something completion percentage through for like a little over 250. But, I yeah, mean, I mean. So I, far he looks good, but I'm still not the biggest believer. Yeah, it's. I, I agree. I wouldn't touch an Ohio State quarterback with a 30-foot pole in a draft. I don't care how well their stats looked. I don't care anything about that because what, what I firmly believe is that it's really difficult to draft quarterbacks. You never see great quarterbacks from Alabama. You never see great quarterbacks from Georgia. You never see great quarterbacks from Ohio State because those guys – all they do is they play with NFL tier receivers against college level corners. And when you're doing that, anybody can go on an offense and throw to, I mean, because any of the reads that they look at are going to have five yards of separation almost, especially when you play unranked teams five weeks out of the college football season. So why, why would you take a quarterback that doesn't have to actually make any competitive reads? It just doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, you look at the last four Ohio State quarterbacks. You got C.J. Stroud, Justin Fields, Dwayne Haskins, and then J.T. Barrett. J.T. Barrett. J.T. Barrett. I actually think, as far as IQ and passing game, I think that he was actually the smartest. He just didn't have the arm talent. And then uh, Haskins is the same way as Stroud, in my opinion. I think he's a one-read guy. Not not that mobile of a quarterback. Sits in the pocket. And then Fields don't. I don't know what GMs were watching when they were watching his college film. Everyone talks about that one throw from Clemson. He hit that post to uh, who played who was number two? Was it Garrett Wilson? It was Olave. Mm-hmm. Hit yeah. that post yeah. to Olave against Clemson over the top. They're like, look look how he goes through his progressions. He didn't go through any progressions. He looked off the safety to the right, threw the post down the middle. It was a great ball, but I mean, the dude literally cannot read an NFL defense. I mean, we'll get into the Bears. I. There's there's very rarely that much separation in an NFL game. No, yeah. And and when yeah, I mean, but there's there's got to be 50 guys in the country that can throw a, a deep ball like that, right? I mean, maybe more. Yeah, there yeah. it's not 
it's not a difficult read. It's not like he dropped it in between two defenders, anything like that. It's just, you know, getting a deep ball up there and, and making a play. So, yeah, that's – but, again, that's one play. Like, you can't, you know, draw too much off of off of one play. So, but back to C.J. Stroud, um, he has definitely looked the best. Um, to answer your question about the Texans offensive coordinator – Ryan's brought over the passing game coordinator from the Niners. Uh, okay. His name is Bobby Slowick to be the offensive coordinator. So Presumably making it an easy offense play. Yeah, just like they Kyle ran. Kyle Shanahan. Just like they yeah. ran Shanahan's offense. So, um, you know, as I said before, I think any NFL quarterback can run a Kyle Shanahan offense, and that may become true of a Bobby Slowick offense too if – he continues to I mean, if, have the ball tossed around like he has been. If he makes it that easy for Stroud, just like it was at OSU, I mean, then the guy's going to be successful. But, mm-hmm. but get, and, that's, and that's a testament to good coaching. Yeah, find find yeah. a way to make guys, good, make guys successful. So I, I still think the Houston Texans got a way to go. Um, like you said, the skilled position guys aren't really there on offense. Defense is kind of the couple same couple guys way. here and there. But, yeah, just yeah. kind of a handful of guys that uh, may be contributing role players on a good team, but not really that big star yet on on that team. But they had the, what, they have the top two picks in the draft, or two and three they had uh, this past year. Two and year. three, yep, traded back up. And, um, you know, so, so we'll see. We'll see where they can go. All right, from that, let's go into Indianapolis and Baltimore which was um, a very interesting game, especially once it reached overtime, Um, because that's part of the game I watched uh, was overtime. And you told me this earlier in the week, it kind of just seemed like the ball was stuck in between the 40-yard lines of either team. Like, they just weren't moving. In in overtime, I think it came down to, like, I think Matt Gay kicked that field goal with, like, three minutes left in overtime or something like that. Mm -hmm. And – the ball was stuck between both teams' 40-yard lines from the eight-minute marker to when he hit that field goal. And I don't know about you, but when I, when I watch any team in the AFC North, I fall asleep watching that because it is boring. Yeah. Like, the yeah. only team that I've ever enjoyed watching from that division from here and there is, is the Bengals when Burrow and them are actually playing well. But the AFC they North, they, they win games, but it, that is a boring-ass conference. Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. Like, there's – um, the Ravens and Steelers this year kind of look like, you know, 10-win ceiling, 8-win floors. They're going to win games. They're not going to lose a ton of games. And they'll be around in the playoff hunt, and they'll be an easy win for a team like the Chiefs or somebody to just roll over and shit-stomp in the first round of the playoffs. Um, I, I mean, Harbaugh and Tomlin are great coaches, so they can turn just about any roster into a decently performing playoff roster. Um, but, I mean, if you look at the rest of the AFC North, you had Pittsburgh and Las Vegas. That was that was kind of a shitstorm of a game, too. Kenny Pickett, I, I don't know what the Steelers were thinking with that pick. Um, that's just another abysmal quarterback. He's he's really hard to watch. There's absolutely zero movement on that Steelers offense, and I would be very worried if I was a Steelers fan about the future of the franchise. Um, 
Cleveland, though, looked pretty good against Tennessee. Deshaun Watson, I think, played his best game against uh, that Tennessee defense. Uh, his best game is a Brown. And like I said, I'm pretty high on that Cleveland defense with, with Schwartz right now. They got some guys running around making some plays. Grant Delpit's playing really well. Um, Miles Garrett, obviously, they signed uh, or traded for whatever. They got Zadarius Smith. So, I mean, they're, they're looking like now they might be the favorites to win that division. I, I would agree 100% with that. I mean, and then I, I personally think that they have a top five linebacking core with uh, Anthony Walker Jr. and Jeremiah Usa Koromoa. I think at least the fastest linebacking core mm-hmm. in the league. I th- yeah. actually think the two mm-hmm. best linebacking cores in the league is the Ravens and the Browns because Ravens, you got uh, Roquan Smith and uh, Patrick Queen. Yep. But I would say that, that Browns defense is tough. I mean, Delvin Tomlinson was no joke like three or four years ago, but, I mean, he's still a solid player. And then obviously you got Miles Garrett, arguably, I would say either one or two defensive players. One, two, or three defensive players in the NFL, however you want to put it. Mm-hmm. But and then they got weapons on offense. Even with Nick Chubb out, I think the offensive line is good enough to produce a run game. And I can't really see unless the Bengals get things back on track. Sounds like Joe Burrow's going to be hurt or at least playing through pain for a little while. And he hasn't really looked well while playing through that pain. So as of right now, I think it's the Browns' division to win. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I I think the Bengals looked lethargic. I think is a good word to explain it on Monday night. They played a Rams defense that I don't think is really anything special. I mean, you got Aaron Donald, and that's it. That's about it. Yeah, there, there's not much there anymore. A lot of guys have left that team. Um, and what the Bengals put up, 19 points. Yeah, I think they barely scratched across the touchdown. Now they finally, good for fantasy. They finally got Jamar Chase the ball a little bit. I don't. I, I can't stand. When, when offenses have a player of Jamar Chase's caliber and they don't give him the fucking ball. Pisses me off. Watching the, watching the Raiders play, play football, I mean, look at, look at the Vikings. The Vikings, right, they're 0-3, so it's tough to draw anything from them. But that team puts up yards and puts up points. I mean, I'm sure they're average, they have some of the best average points per game in the league through three weeks. And what, what do they do? They throw the ball to the best receiver in the league in Justin Jefferson. You got some other guys that are argue, I mean, in that top five receivers conversation in Adams and Chase, give them the ball. Let, you know, why, why make a mistake throwing, it to, mistake throwing it to somebody else? Use your best weapon until it's stopped and then go to somebody else. That should open the lanes for everybody else. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. So finally they got him the ball a little more and it got him a win. Now they didn't score a ton of points, but he had – what did Jamar Chase have last week? I think he had like... Uh, 11 catches for... I think it was 12 for like 130 or 12, 120. That sounds about right to yeah. me. So, I mean, that, that's that's production. I mean, that's that's what that is. And the, and the defense was just good enough to win the game against a struggling Matthew Stafford. But, again, I, I agree with you. I don't know. I haven't seen much of anything from the Bengals that leads me to believe that I think they'll be able to beat a team like the Browns um, or the – I mean, really, I, I think they are bottom of the barrel in the division through three weeks. I, I agree. And, and people might be saying, oh, the Steelers beat the Browns, whatever. Mm-hmm. 
the Steelers' defense scored two touchdowns. The Steelers' offense got blown up that game. They didn't do anything. And shout-out to the Steelers' defense. Me and Joe were basically showing fantasy that week. Made a huge comeback to beat his ass. But. Yeah, that was – that was I uh, went to bed with about 10 minutes left in the game, I think. And I was like, all right, the Browns are driving here. Put up this field goal. I'm going to win by one. We'll be all right. And I wake up to a fuck you, Joe, from Tanner. And I see that the Steelers defense scored another touchdown. And Deshaun just had to piss that one away for me. But um, and then staying on the Steelers, like we were talking about Kenny Pickett earlier. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at this right now. So they won. They lost 30-7 to against 49ers. I mean, they – that that honestly, besides that bes- besides yeah. the Dolphins Broncos game, I think that was the most dominating game as far as like a team winning. I think the Forty Nine ers just crumbled them that game, and then the Browns game. I mean, you take away fourteen of those points they had. They're at that's a twenty two to twelve loss. I mean, you can't really take away things, but just put it in perspective. And then the Raiders, the Raiders have a horrible defense, and they only scored twenty three. Kenny Pickett's not the answer. Najee Harris isn't the answer. Nope. Deontay Johnson always seems to have the injury bug. Yeah, he's George, never on the field. The George Pickens statements in the offseason, he's the most talented wide receiver in the NFL, are absurd. The worst take I've ever fucking heard. That dude is not – he gets no separation. I guarantee you – actually, you keep talking while I pull up this dude's separation. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree. They're, the offensive weapons aren't there. I mean, you got Pat Fryermuth as your tight end, who is – I would argue an average NFL tight end. He's not any better. He's not any worse. Najee Harris, after I mean, after that rookie year, you were thinking, wow, the Steelers really hit on this guy. They got the replacement for Le'Veon Bell. He's the real deal. And, I mean, watching Najee Harris run the football makes me want to take a nap. I, he's 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 <laughs> runs so slow. It's like he's running through wet concrete. And, and you look at his college tape. And he was he was the best athlete on the field, whatever game he played. He play. I mean, you, you, that one clip comes to mind of him hurdling somebody. I mean, he was the best athlete there was, and now he lo- looks like he can't run a sub four forty. I mean, he he just does. He looks abysmal. And like you said, Deontay Johnson's not on the field, so the Steelers' offense. Matt Canada's definitely not the answer for that offense as the coordinator either. Um, Kenny Smallhands was probably the worst homer pick. Now, to be honest, there was not a quarterback to get in that draft. Malik Willis hasn't looked like anything in the NFL. No, that, that, was, that was a bad quarterback draft class. But looking at picking stats, this guy's fucking terrible. So against man coverage, for, he ran 40.8% of his routes against man last year. With a success rate of 64.9, which is in the 34th percentile of the league, and you're telling me this guy's that talented. 34th percent, I mean, that that's like Josh Reynolds' range. And then <laughs> and then against zone coverage, which was 59.2% of his routes, he had a 68.3 success rate, which is the 5th percentile in the NFL. The dude has yeah. no football IQ, can't find his zone, can't beat man. What is he good for? A jump ball here and there and make a spectacular catch? I mean, any dude in the NFL can do that. And then the only thing I would say he's good at is press coverage because he's a big-ass dude. But, I mean, Deontay Johnson's got the injury bug. Pickens isn't good. Calvin Austin, the second, whatever his name is, he's just a burner. Najee Harris stinks. The best offense player they got on that team is Jalen Warden. They didn't use him. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and he's sat on the bench behind um, Najee Harris. So, like I said, I still think that's an eight-win, nine-win team. Um, what is it? How long? I don't think Tomlin's ever had a sub-500 season. Has it? I think this might be the year, but, I mean, I still think this sub-500 team would be a 7-9 and nine or 7-10 and 10 now, 7-8-9 and eight and nine team. It's just not – there's not enough offense there, and the defense – the defense is good, but it's not good enough to carry them to – more than eight or nine wins in my opinion. I think I think it'll be just like last year's team. I think the ceiling's nine and eight, and I think the floor is seven and ten. Yeah, like just somewhere in that seven eight nine win range. Yep. Yeah, I would agree. All right, next game. So let's go to Arizona and talk about the Cardinals with the biggest upset of the year probably so far over the Cowboys, twenty eight sixteen. So, I mean. After the first week especially, the first two weeks, the Cowboys absolutely dominated teams like the Jets and the Giants. And two not very good teams, yeah, to say. Agreed, agreed. However, I mean, 40 to nothing on Sunday night football against a team that was in the playoffs last year is pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, the Giants, even when they've been down, have always been a hard team. To blow out, just because their defense is normally solid, unless Daniel Jones is just throwing to that team, which does happen. <laughs> From time to time, yeah. Yeah, but, um, I mean, coming into this week, in in everybody's fantasy lineups, I don't think you thought twice if you had the Cowboys defense because they were playing the Cardinals and Josh Dobbs. And who else do they got over there? James Conner and Marquise Goodwin. And no, Marquise Brown. Marquise Brown. Rondell Moore, Zach Ertz. Yeah, uh, Zach Ertz out of his wheelchair. He's healthy. <laughs> they got they got a they got a couple couple other guys here and there, but not even worth mentioning. They're not big yeah, guys. Yeah, and you know I know Trayvon Diggs went down before the game, which is which is a tough blow. He's a, he's a very good receiver or corner, but he's not. I didn't think he was as crucial to the Cowboys that they wouldn't be able to beat a team like the Cardinals. Now, I think the Cardinals are kind of starting to buy into the new philosophy that uh, their new head coach is bringing, and they're starting to kind of believe a little bit that they can do something. But I don't think the talent is there for anything long-term, and I still find it interesting that they were able to pull one out against the Cowboys this week. They got Cardinals going to coach is uh, Jonathan Gannon, right? Mm-hmm. Came from Philly, yep. defense coordinator. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then you were talking about, all about the Cardinals. I'll touch on the Cowboys here. I mean, the Cowboys, I, 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 I never know what to say about the Cowboys because they always have a solid roster. That defense, even without uh, Stephon Diggs, Stephon Diggs, Trayvon Diggs, I still think still a top three defense in the league just because of Mike Parsons alone. That dude's probably the best player in football, in my opinion. He can play middle linebacker, outside linebacker. You could put him at fucking safety if you want him to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he can cover. He can yeah. pass rush. He can do everything. He can do everything. But in, in the offense, honestly, the offense didn't play horrible that game. It's just their red zone efficiency. I'm, I'm looking at something right now. This year, so far through three games, Dallas has a 40% red zone rate. And then – Last year they had a seventy-one percent, which I think I believe led the league, or they were tied with Kansas City, 
So they they were either one or two. It was pretty close, but uh, they did lose the coordinator coming into this year. They 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 did lose the coordinator, but my question is is they have Tony Pollard, which I think Tony Pollard's a great back, but when they get down to the red line, red line, red zone, I think Dak has an issue throwing the ball down there in tighter windows, tight spaces, kind of freaks him out a little bit. And then Tony Pollard's not necessarily a big back, and I'm looking at the rest of the backs. They got Rico da- Dodil at who? Uh, yeah, at who? Exactly. So. And then. Uh, their third string running back is uh, what's his name, Deuce Vaughn. I mean, that dude's like a midget playing in the NFL. So I mean, you're not going to give him the ball to go in. So my question is, is it's huge scoring in the red zone. If you're, if you're an elite scoring team in the red zone, you'll be successful in the NFL. But my question is, is what would you do? I mean, Dak can't seem to get it done in the red zone, and they don't have a running back that's big enough necessarily just run it up the middle and fall forward for a yard or two. Yeah. So I think at that point it comes down to play design. Right. Uh, I mean, watching the Packers week in and week out and, and what LaFleur likes to do, um, he runs a lot of sweeps, lots of motions, and he moves people around to try to create good windows, and he uses his best players. So um, the, the, the Packers' signature play, I would argue, is, is the back shoulder throw, and that was coined by Rodgers and Devontae Adams for years, but you've seen it this year with Jordan Love and Romeo Dobbs twice already. So find a way to get your best players the ball in space or let them make plays on the ball. So give throw a 50-50 ball to C.D. Lamb. Throw a screen, um, a screen pass or a sweep pass to Tony Pollard. Be creative. Find a way. And that, that is Mike McCarthy's problem. Right, he took over the play calling again this year after not having done it because of Kellen, with Kellen Moore there. Mike McCarthy's problem is he's he's kind of a stubborn, stuck-up asshole, right? He's a little he's he's obviously been a successful coach. He won a yeah. Super Bowl in Green Bay. I have a lot of respect for McCarthy being a Packer fan, but did he call plays in Green Bay too? He did for the during the Super Bowl for sure. He did, and he did for many years after that, and then he gave it up when he started um, kind of kind of starting to fail in like 16, 17. And then he kind of gave it up, took it back, you know, didn't really make up his mind. But that was the problem with his, his scheme offensively is it was very, very one-on-one matchup based. It, it relied on the players to win one-on-ones. And every once in a while when you don't have a ton of good athletes, now I know the – the Cowboys have C.D. Lamb, but outside of that in the receiver room, there's not a whole ton there. You're 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 requiring these receivers to beat the defense rather than scheming them open, and you know, yeah, that's I think a bit of an issue there. So touching on like the motion thing you said, I mean, I I personally am a huge fan of motion pre-snap in the NFL. Mm-hmm. No, every every single play, honestly, I think it just gives the defense a different look realigns them but I pull up something interesting here if if you had to guess the three bottom teams last year in the NFL or th- there's six teams here if, if you guess three of them what three teams in offense you think use pre-snap motion the less the, the least I should say the least I mean I would say the Cowboys no nope. nope. Cowboys not, were one of them okay. not on the list I would say that just because of Mike McCarthy I, yeah I, I, I didn't think I'm, sur- I'm surprised and I've Every time I watch Cowboy games, I don't know if I've seen motion unless uh, that or Tur- Turpin, unless Turpin's in the game. I don't see motion, but yeah, it, I mean it's difficult for me to guess. Just th- um, think of some bad offenses here. Some bad offenses. Uh, how about the Broncos last year? 
The Broncos are on here. The Broncos are 29th. Yeah, I, I figured they, they did not play very well. Um, who else do we have that was a really bad offense last year? Uh, the Commanders. Commanders are on here, 27th. Didn't have anything. Uh, let's see, some AFC teams. Are the Raiders on there? Raiders are right up. You just, you just named 27, 28, 29. Yeah. And then you have Pittsburgh, New Orleans, and then Tennessee. Pittsburgh. All not very good offenses. Mm-hmm. Then you go look at the flip side of that. Top five teams, pre-snap motion success. Who are the top three offenses in the league? And you should be able to guess the top three on here off of that. The Eagles? No. They weren't. I wouldn't necessarily say the Eagles are top three offense. Well, I that. guess they have a different type of offense. So that, that's, that's a power football team. I can respect it. Chiefs. Oh, Chiefs, too. Um, Dolphins. One. And... Niners. Three. Yeah. So, I mean, I was just, I just automatically went to thinking of the Super Bowl. Yep. But, yeah, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And from that Shanahan coaching tree, um, you don't have much in L.A. anymore with McVay. But McVay, you got a lot of it. LaFleur, you got a lot of it. I mean, I think. seeing a lot of it from McDaniel in Miami. And it just kind of seems the way offenses are going. All the best offenses in the league currently, I think, use motion. Damn near 50, not 50%, but like 30 to 40%, I think. Like, if you look at the top five offenses last year, I think every single team in total offense was on there. And then Detroit wasn't on the list for the usage of it, but for big plays, it was plays over 15 yards. Using motion, Detroit was third. So, I mean, every single top five offense overall was on there for motion-wise. And then I think everyone from the Shanahan branch that uses motion is having success calling plays on offense. So, yeah. I agree. There's older coaches in the league, I think, that don't want to – they're stubborn. They, stubborn. They, they, they like get to the goal line, we're going to run power, we're going to run the ball up the middle, or we're going to run play action, hit a tight end on a flag, uh, an out, or we're going to throw a slant. Just basic shit. NFL's evolved. There's athletes out there now. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's the art of coaching in professional football, I think. It's it's adapt or die. Um, find, find new ways to – um, be effective, and I think a good example of that is um, you saw on that Sunday night game Bill Belichick, right? One probably the longest tenured coach in the NFL. He with that uh, kick, that kick play um, when they tried to when they blocked that field goal and put that guy in motion. Um, you're already starting to see teams use that, and that's that's something nobody's ever really done before. Speaking of that, that, I saw a video on uh, TikTok. And I want to give a quick little shout-out for our podcast. But starting hopefully tomorrow or Friday, if you go follow uh, Tanner.44H on TikTok, we're going to post a couple of clips of the podcast on there, and I'll have the links on there. So if you can't find a way to access the podcast besides just on Spotify, which that's what we'll be on, that'll be an easy way to do it. But continuing on with the Belichick thing, uh, I watched something. So the placeholder for – the Dolphins was actually the placeholder and punter for New England for like five years prior to that. And on his film, every single time before he takes a snap, he'll look back at the kicker and then he's kind of in like a hunched over position and then he'll go he'll fully lift his body up like straight. Oh really? And someone was like breaking down the film or whatever, I thought it was pretty unique. So right like you can tell the timing of it, right when he saw that dude like take the cause he takes a deep breath. When he takes a deep breath he like stands sits up straight and then it snaps it like a second after. And the timing was perfect. I'm 
I'm not saying that's what it was based off, but it wouldn't surprise me if that was something that Belichick caught. I mean, the dude is a football genius. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's things like that 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 great coaches can see and find and. Like you said, maybe maybe he didn't see that. Maybe that was just some guy on TikTok making it up. But it's really hard to imagine that he just happened to perfectly time yeah. that sprint in from the sideline to block the kick. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So, moving on, let's talk about the – you talked about um, – the Steelers and Niners in week one being one of the worst ass whoopings in the yeah. NFL this year. Let's talk about probably another one within the top three Bears Chiefs. 41 to 10, Chiefs over the Bears. I have no idea why the fuck that game was on America's game of the week in the first place. <laughs> Who the hell would have thought that the Chiefs would have ran away with this game? It's because Taylor Swift was there. She made Travis Kelsey relevant, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Um, for the Chiefs, they're looking fine. I mean, they lost that week one game against the Lions, which I think that game, one or two things happens. The game really could have gone either way. Well, um, it was just one guy. Yeah. For being realistic. Yeah. But um, they, they look good. Mahomes threw for 272, three touchdowns. The return of Travis Kelsey, I mean – that that's on that offense. To be honest, it's really looking like he's going to be Mahomes' only weapon this year. Uh, you got Rasheed Rice, who's actually looked decent as a rookie. Yep. Sky Moore, who's gadget you know, that gadget guy. Marquez Valdez Scantling, your deep threat. Same and as then, Justin Watson. Yep. And, and then, then McKinnon's good out of the backfield, catching the ball. I don't think they really have a elite running back. The offensive line has always just been whatever, but. When you have the best player to ever play football, doesn't really matter. What, yeah. Well, you, I mean, Tom Brady used to be the same way in New England. You give him one guy, that's all he really needs. Yeah, and and I actually think Kansas here. City has – this is the best defensive team that they've had since Patrick Mahomes been there, I, I would say. Yeah, it definitely seemed like um, they focused a little more in the offseason on working on defense. They brought over the safety from uh, – was it Justin Reed? Or no, Justin Reed's been there, right? Yeah, Justin Reed's been there. The safety from the Buccaneers, Mike Edwards. Yep. They um, also brought over Drew. Or was Drew Tranquil there last year? He's from. He played in the Chargers, and then I'm not sure if he came over this year or last year. But mm-hmm. and they also got Nick Bolton, which I think Nick Bolton was hurt for this game. But Nick Bolton's actually, I would say Nick Bolton's probably a top five middle linebacker in the league. Mm-hmm. And you got the Wisconsin product, Leo Chanel, playing with him. He's looked good as a Chief. So, I I mean, I don't think the Chiefs are worrying about anything. I, mean, I think Chris Jones had a sack in both of his two games back, the most dominant interior player besides Aaron Donald, I'd say, in the league. Mm-hmm. I'd, I would say I'd, I'd That's say definitely fair to say. Overall, overall as a team, I'd say this is the best team that Kansas City's had since Patrick Mahomes has been there. Might not be as star-studded on offense as they were when they had Tyree Kill. And Hardman was actually good and uh, Travis Kelsey. But I would say overall this is the best team they've had. Yeah, and like we said before, defense wins championships. So, And I think they've, uh, they've taken, obviously, steps in the right direction for that. But other than that, um, 
on the other side of things, the Bears, who are horrible. I would argue the worst franchise in football right now. Other maybe, I mean, I don't know. Like, you can argue the Texans. You can argue a few other teams that just haven't really done anything. The Bears have just seemed to fall off a cliff. Like they don't seem to do anything right. What What's crazy is the Bears. I'm gonna make sure this is right, but they brought in uh, T.J. Edwards and Tremaine Ed- Edmonds. Edmonds. Yep. So top three linebacker core in the NFL, arguably behind the Browns and uh, Ravens. They've led up 38 to the Packers. Jordan Love's first game ever starting. Second. Twenty. Second game ever starting, but okay. Second, first time being in command of the team. We'll yes, say that. Yes. Twenty-seven to the Bucks, and forty-one to the Chiefs. Yeah, the the defense didn't improve, and and all you heard all off season was was how good the Bears are going to be. Like the Bears, oh, they got an offensive line for Justin Fields. They got DJ Moore. They got him a weapon. The offense is going to be good. The Defense got improved. We signed these two middle linebackers. We signed, uh, you know, they. I think they drafted a corner or a defensive back. Yep. They looked, they got um, Yannick Ngakwe, some other pass rushers. You know, the Bears are going to be all this. And the whole time I'm sitting there and it's like, you have to realize that last season the Bears were the worst team in the NFL. They had the number one overall pick. And first off, good teams, good franchises, good GMs who know how to draft and rebuild teams can't fix that in one year. You're not going to go from the bottom to the top in one year. It's just not going to happen. And a bad franchise with a bad GM like the Bears expected that to happen, it's like, well, well, who would have thought? Um, And you still don't have a quarterback. You still don't have many weapons for him. I mean, DJ Moore's an above-average NFL wide receiver, but I don't think I don't necessarily think DJ Moore's an elite wide receiver like people made him out to be. Oh, he just needs a quarterback. No, DJ Moore needs someone on the. DJ Moore needs to be the number two. DJ Moore's not the type of guy you say, DJ, go run a dig in man-to-man or go run a comeback in man-to-man or go win this one-on-one ball. Like that's just not who he is. And all offseason it was. Oh, Justin Fields has so much potential. You get this guy, guys around him. I I think he was better last year. I mean, I think oh, he has. Oh, for sure. At the end of last year. I think he has, I would just presume, one of the worst quarterback ratings in the NFL. He's, he threw for 99 yards last week. 99. Horrible. And 11 for 22, 99 yards, one touchdown, one interception. After, after last year, if I'm being honest with you, after. Because I watched the Bears play a couple games since they're in the division, but. Uh, the way Justin Fields ran the ball, and then the way that Dave Montgomery ran the ball, and then Cleo Herbert had a couple games here and there. I figured they'd go pick up a big time running back in free agency, not Deontay Foreman, and then draft a fourth round running back, Roshan Johnson, who's probably their best running back in my opinion. Oh yeah, I would agree. He he's looked. I mean, he's shown flashes, but they still. Um, it seems like him and Khalil Herbert split carries last yeah. week pretty much, but but. You know, they just don't do a ton. Go, going into the offseason, I thought that the way the Eagles run their offense is perfect for Justin Fields. They have a great line, which is a little bit different for the Bears, even though they picked up, I think their first run pick this year was yep. a tackle. But uh, 
I think an offense more like that would be more suitable for Justin Fields because I personally don't think Jalen Hurts is above. I think he's at average passer. I think A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith just create so much space. It's easy for him, and teams bite on play action or whatever. But I think an offense. Well, uh, naturally, when did yeah. you see the holes that uh, DeAndre, DeAndre Swift was running through, through last yeah. night? Or well, Monday? Give DeAndre Swift three more weeks, and that dude will be in a wheelchair. That dude's made of Charmin Ultra Soft. Well, I mean, I was sitting there watching the game with a few of my buddies, and they started just fucking glazing him. And I'm like, guys, look at the holes they're running through. The holes you could fit three people through at the same time. The same, I can run through those The holes. same thing with Jamal Williams last year. When Lions fans were like, Oh, it breaks my heart that Jamal Williams is leaving. He was actually pretty good. We should have paid. Well, we offered him money. We offered him more than the Saints paid him. But that dude is is running behind. If you're running back, it it does not matter who you have at running back if you're running behind a top five offensive line. The yep. 49ers are a great example of that. I mean, before they got Christian McCaffrey, it seemed like they just had a spill of backs going through there. Yeah, you had Tevin Coleman. You had Raheem Mostert, yep. Matt Breida, yep. um, Elijah Mitchell. And, we're, I mean, those guys, Mostert. Plays. I mean, they all play in some. They're, they're running back twos. Running back twos everywhere yeah. else. Yeah. And so they're, they're fine running back twos, but they looked good when they, they run behind that line. And I think DeAndre Swift the same way. But back to the thing if Justin Fields, you, I, the only prayer you have at this point is to make the offense like 60% run, 40% pass, kind of like what the Falcons do, and use Justin Fields' legs and then see what you got out of Roshan Johnson because. That receiving core is dog shit too. So I, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, it's DJ Moore was an upgrade over what the, uh, like last year it was worse because they didn't have DJ Moore. Yeah, but Darnell Mooney, Darnell Mooney's okay. I I would say going further in his career, he'll be a wide receiver three yeah, like he's type fine. of guy. Chase Claypool, one of the worst wide receivers in all of football. Claypool, Claypool has looked abysmal ever since. His rookie year. The worst effort. Horrible oh, effort. Oh, yeah. I, I am so glad because allegedly the I Packers, did hear that last the Packers year. offered the same package, uh, I believe it was Sec- a second round pick. Second round pick, yep. Um, that the Bears did for Claypool, and the Steelers just took the Bears' offer because they thought it would be a higher pick. And sure enough, it, they, it they, was. They were correct. Yeah. Um, but. Thank God that he didn't end up a Packer because I don't know if I could watch him play football for my team every week I mean, without breaking a TV. When the ball's not getting thrown to him, thrown to him, or he's blo- like run blocking, I I don't. He walks like he he walks. He's not interested. To, no, he all he cares about is Fashion Week in L.A. And Ch- Claypool is a guy from Notre Dame, so I heard a couple stories back when he played for us. And his freshman year, he's he's a ta- he's a talented guy. His freshman year, he was supposed to start as a true freshman, which doesn't hap- happen a lot. At the ha- didn't happen a lot when Brian Kelly was a coach at the wide receiver position, but he was supposed to start. But his work ethic was so shit that they just couldn't put him on the field because the team didn't didn't like it. And a, and, a, and an athlete like that, a frame like that, should be so useful, not only in the pass game but in the run game too. Like I mean, that, when you're that big, you should be able to run block. I, I, I want to say he ran like a 4-5, maybe a 4-4 uh, coming out of the combine. And then I think he's like 6-4, oh yeah, 6-4, uh, I don't know, like 230. Like that's it's a big boy. That's, that's, that's an elite, that's elite intangibles to have. Like, and just to 
the talent's there. I mean, it was shown when he was in Pittsburgh. He just wasted it, though. So, yeah, I, I think the Bears are in for another long season. Maybe tank. I don't know what you do with the quarterback position. Maybe if you get the first overall pick, you, you got to certainly consider taking one of the top two quarterbacks if you're or in that position. Traded again. Yeah, know? I mean, I, I can't. I mean, if if Justin Fields continues on this, if, you can't imagine that you're not going to take. Him if Caleb Williams is there, you you have to take him, right? If you're, you're for you're, you're stupid. To you know. you trade Justin Fields away to someone like I don't know. See how. See, see, how, see how Washington does this year. Maybe they need a quarterback. Washington. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know. But, yeah, I'll be interested to see uh, how bad they can be this year. Yeah. Um, saying, you know, going back and looking at the Vikings and saying, um, I don't know what games they'll win. I think the offense will pull out some games for the Vikings. But I don't see a game the Bears should should win for sure. Oh, speaking of one, I know we're not into it yet, but Denver uh, Bears next week. <laughs> Holy shit. That that one's going to stay off my TV. It's going to be 7-7 final. Justin Fields, one touchdown to the Bears, <laughs> one touchdown to the Broncos. Yeah, that's... That's, <laughs> that's, that's terrible. That's a terrible if, if, uh If you watch that... Uh, I'd keep, I'd keep sharp objects away from yourself. <laughs> yeah. yeah, especially if you're a fan of one of these teams. <laughs> you um, might you might want to hurt yourself. Yeah, that's 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 an abysmal matchup. Um, and the two worst teams in football. Yeah, I think. yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. I, I don't know what else to say. I think Sean Payton over there in Denver will get it figured out eventually, but he hasn't yet. Yeah. So um, let's move on to a couple of NFC North. NFC South matchups from last week. Let's start off with the Packers and the Saints. My Packers pulled it out 18-17 after probably the worst first half of football that I have ever watched. Holy shit. That was terrible. Now, I couldn't watch the whole thing, but from the replays I saw and the highlights that I watched after the game was over, I was able to catch most of the second half. But of that first half, the Packers made a ton of penalties. They didn't make any plays, and they just were uninterested. Now, half the team was sitting on the bench watching the game. You didn't have David Bakhtiari. You didn't have Elgin Jenkins. So you had a completely new left side of the line. No Christian Watson. No Aaron Jones. Devondre Campbell got hurt in the first quarter. No Jair Alexander. Had no safety depth because both of the backup safeties were out. I mean, it was it was rough. I, I won't deny. And you have the Packers are a, the youngest team in football this year, and you expect a lot of a lot of miscommunications, a lot of errors, right? It's going to happen with young guys playing football in the NFL. But what really pissed me off was the amount of penalties. The Packers. Let's see here if I can find how many penalties they had as a team. Does this website show that? I'm not sure. Speaking of penalties, I forgot to bring when we were talking about the Cardinals in Dallas, but Dallas has been third in penalties since McCarthy got there, and last week they had 16 penalties yeah. in the NFL. That's rough. Well, yeah, 16 penalties, that, that'll hurt. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at the Packers had 11 penalties last year, and if I remember correctly, 10 of them were in the first half. So 
They, they got it figured out in the second half and were able to score 18 unanswered in the second half. Pull out a win. I understand the guy missed a field goal, but Jordan Love would have still had a chance to go show that he could, could put up more <laughs> points. But they got the win, found a way to win. That's what good football teams do. I will say, didn't watch the game at all because the Lions are playing at the same time slot. But uh, the Saints are – in my opinion, the best team in the NFC South. If if Derek Carr can stay healthy, I know he got hurt. I don't know how long he'll be out or what he did. Yep, he um, it was a shoulder injury. They're hopeful he's back within the next couple weeks. It yeah. wasn't like a it wasn't like a terrible one, but it kept him out the rest of the game. And I think, honestly, I don't know if the Packers would have pulled that game out if Derek Carr played in the majority of the second half because I believe he got hurt early to mid-second quarter. Yeah, and, and or third quarter. looking at his numbers, he was playing okay. I mean, it kind of seemed like he was just a check-down machine. But uh, the Saints are a tough team to beat, I will say that. I mean, this 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 year they had a lot more than 20 points. Granted, they haven't played anyone. They played the Titans, Panthers, and Packers, which still not that high on the Packers yet. We'll see. But uh, a lot of young guys. There's a lot of talent I think I think the Saints have something to work with. Kamara comes back. Uh, Jamal Williams, I don't, I don't think – I was talking shit about him really. I don't think he's a he's bad – He's out for a few weeks now. Yeah, yeah, but, I mean, Kamara's out for – I think comes back this week or next week. I believe this week is his first week back. But uh, those two come back. You can win just running the ball with those two in the backfield. And then it looks like Michael Thomas is kind of – he's not back to what he was. But uh, it seems that he's a good wide receiver too in the NFL again. Mm-hmm. And then Chris Olave is pretty good. I th- I think the Saints are. They have the destiny of the NFC South in their hands, and what they want, what they want to do with it is what they do with it. Because the Panthers, I think they sweep the Panthers this year. They'll go two and zero against them, and then uh, the Bucks. I think they'll go probably split with the Bucks, and then uh, the Falcons. I think they go two and zero against the Falcons too, just because the, the Falcons' offense is bad, but. Yeah, um, don't get me started on the Falcons. Um, I I, I want to wipe that Packers loss off of my memory and, and just move on to this week. Um, but yeah, I, I would agree. I think the Saints are a pretty a, a pretty solid team, really well coached team, good defense, but uh, the offense lacks a little bit. So we'll see with them. I you know the NFC South's just kind of a shit show this year. Whoever comes out of it is just. First round exit. Yeah, I yeah. mean, they're just going to be a rollover in the playoffs, and, you know, it is what it is. And so let's move on to the other NFC South team in the Lions and the Falcons, and the Lions seem to make pretty easy work of the Falcons at home. Yeah. Uh, coming off that loss to Seattle, which seems like we never can stop Seattle. I think it's like three straight years they've dropped like 35-plus points on us last year. Last year we didn't make them punt the ball one single time. So, I mean, the defense is a little, little bit better this year. But this week, I mean, Desmond Ritter is not a good quarterback. Everyone knows that. I mean, Atlanta hasn't had a good quarterback since Matt Ryan left. And then even at the tail end of Matt Ryan's career, he wasn't very good. But, I mean, Atlanta's – I think they led the league in rushing yards. Or maybe they are top three, but they ran the ball the most, whatever. They've had success running the game. Arthur Smith, big on running the ball. Uh it kind of, it kind of gave me a little bit more hope for the defense because going into this week we're ranked third and uh, rushing yards against I think it's like seventy something or it's fifty five to running backs seventy something in total 
And then we also played the game without uh, C.J. Garner-Johnson. Uh, we didn't have Taylor Decker. We didn't have Holland. I don't even know his name. He's our right guard, Vitae. He's got that long, like, Hawaiian name. And then we were also missing uh, James Houston, our second-best pass rusher. But, I mean, the Falcons ran the ball, and the Lions have always seemed to struggle since I can remember. Since Probably since our defense was good back when we had, like, DeAndre Levy and uh, Namakin Sue. <laughs> Cliff Averill. Back when we had that group. That's I can't remember the last time that we've been good against a run, and it was nice seeing a, us stopping a good running team because I would say that's one thing. Atlanta, Atlanta runs the ball and plays defense. That's about it. And then uh, on the offensive side, I mean, it just kind of seems like a machine at this point. I mean, even We only put up 20, 20 points. Jared Goff had a bet. It wasn't a bad pick, but, I mean, the way he's been playing, I can't really complain. And then Jameer Gibbs running behind kind of a makeshift offensive line, a right tackle. Matt Nelson that replaced Taylor Decker. We moved Sewell over to left tackle. Matt Nelson played right tackle. Gibbs still ran 17 for 80. Craig Reynolds, don't know how he's still on the roster, ran 415. And then receiving Amon Ra, Laporta, and Cliff Raymond, that was about it. Khalif Raymond, that was about it. But it, it's kind of seemed to me, I don't know about you, but it kind of worries me because the Lions, the past, ever since we drafted Amon Ra, so this is his third year. It seems like it's a Monra every game, and then one other guy. So it it seems like teams should be able to shut us down on offense, but it works. But some guy seems to step up every game too. Yeah, yeah, like like that's there's like <laughs> the first game for us it was Josh Reynolds, uh, and then the past two games been Sam Laporta, which leads the league in receiving yards right now to him. But it just and JMO. I'm not the biggest believer in JMO. I don't know about you, but I don't have necessarily high expectations even when he come does come back. But I mean, yeah, he's shown flashes, but <clears throat> the hands haven't always been there. I mean, no. the the athlete, I mean, the athleticism and the the numbers, the speed, uh, that's you can't argue that. I mean, that's obviously there, but the hands have not really been there. The health has not really been there. So if he can stay on the field, I think he can be in an effective deep threat. And, you know, if I don't think you guys really have a huge deep threat right now. Um, I, would, I would say our biggest deep threat right now is Cleef Raymond. Yeah, and which is – The return. Like, yeah, he's, yeah, he's fast, but not really a big guy. Yeah. So, you know, you split, you can – you know, he might help. Even, even if he doesn't be a guy that goes and gets a bunch of receptions – gains a bunch of yards, scores a bunch of touchdowns. At the receiver position, he can at least be a guy you toss out on the outside, send down the field, and take a corner and a safety out of almost every play. Yep. So, you and know, then, that can be very useful for an offense as a whole. So then one more thing looking back at the game. Not only did I think the Lions' defense improved a lot in the offseason with who we brought in, Cam Sutton, Emmanuel Mosley, supposed to come back, I would say like halfway, three-fourths of the year, is coming off that ACL tear, but – uh, Brian Branch looking like the steal of the draft right now. 11 tackles last week, three tackles for loss, two pass deflection, plays plays slot and nickel. He'll play strong safety. You can put him in the box, send him off the edge. Hutchinson looking promising. Hutchinson has played well, I will agree. Uh, I don't know. I'd, I'd just say overall I'm, I'm excited more about our defense this year because I'm confident at this point with uh, Ben Johnson probably – Top three offense coordinator in the league, I would say. Colin plays. 
So I think this whole season just depends on uh, what Aaron Glenn and that defense does. Yeah, yeah, I think um, I think that's that's definitely fair to say. And um, uh, Brian Branch, going back to him for a little bit, he was a guy I was really high on with the Packers because of our question mark coming into the season at the safety position. We lost uh, Adrian Amos left in free agency and went to where else? The Jets, just like every other Packers free agent. Um, and he was he was kind of a, a great guy to have over top at the um, safety position. But, you know, we decided to move on. So, uh, you know, we coming into this season, you had guys like Rudy Ford, who we brought in to be a gunner. And we had Darnell Savage, who's in his fourth, fifth year now after being a first-round pick. And, I mean, he's been a solid player, but not a – not as good as everybody thought he would be coming out of college. Um, and everybody really kind of thought that the Packers were going to go try to get a safety earlier in the draft. And I believe Branch was available for them. You, The Lions took him in the second round, right? Yeah, second round with our second pick in that round. I think we – I think we actually – so we traded our – we were sixth in the draft. We traded that pick back to 12, took Gibbs – Traded back up, took uh, Jack Campbell, and then second round we used our pick on uh, tight end. I don't mind Laporta, and then I want to say Brian Branch fell to us. Like we were scared that he wasn't going to get to us, and then he just fell right. I'm pretty sure, like the whole like mock draft, like before the draft, I'm pretty sure Brian Branch was like first round projection almost, like or like right outside of it, like top of top end we of the second. Of the first, yeah, bottom of the first, top end of the second. Yeah. But I mean, he fell to us deep in the second. I didn't necessarily lo- love the pick when we took it right away because we have CJ, uh, Tracy Walker, Kirby Joseph. But, deep at that position. But, I mean, CJ got hurt, and even when all f- four were healthy, we were playing all four. But, yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited about the defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I don't blame you. I was sitting there um, with the Packers' second-round pick, and I was, I was kind of looking at who was available, and the two names that really bounced off the board for me were Brian Branch and Jalen Hyatt. And the Packers didn't take either of them. Now they took Jaden Reed, who was a guy I didn't know that much about before they picked him, and he's actually played pretty well so far. He's had a little bit of drop issues, but um, he's played pretty well so far, so I'm hoping he can continue that and be that consistent slot guy for the Packers' offense. So now let's bring both of these teams together for the game tomorrow night, which I am excited for because um, allegedly, according to Packers locker room news, Aaron Jones will be making his return uh, for the first time since week one, and also Christian Watson will be making his season debut tomorrow night. So I'm excited to see what the offense can do. Now we're still without David Bakhtiari. He... uh, Still hasn't figured out that knee he blew up two or three years ago. Um, no Elgin Jenkins, uh, so that left side of the line will still be raw. But um, Rashid Walker, who's been in place of Bakhtiari, has been one of the best pass-blocking tackles in the last two weeks. So I'm hoping he can hold up against Hutchinson and if um, – because I'm sure he's going to get put over there all the time yeah, rather than – I'm assuming we're going to – Switch him because we're without our second best pass rusher, so I don't know why we wouldn't put him on the. 
weeks. The weaker strikes. I mean, even this year, week one, we were moving them inside the D tackle because that right tackle for the Chiefs was fucking cheating. I mean, the dude was in the backfield before Patrick Holmes even got the ball. I, I counted at least five plays yeah, where I was, was like, that's got to be a false start. It, it was ridiculous. Yeah. But uh, what, who do you think should win the game? Um, if I had to make a score prediction, I think I think some points are gonna get put up, but not a ton. I like like a twenty-seven, twenty-four. I'm I'm in the I'm, I'm in the twenty-four to twenty range. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the Packers. Yeah. Um, I I like to see you know I I know the Lions are favored by one and a half right now. I think. Yeah, one and a half. Uh, but uh, I I like the Packers. Um, you get Christian Watson back. He's probably going to be on a snap count, but just having that extra facet to the offense. And the Packers have put up points without Christian Watson so far this year. And now you add him, you add Aaron Jones back. We haven't had a running game the last two weeks because don't get me started on A.J. fucking Dillon. I was going to ask you about him. Behind Najee Harris – and uh, who else did I say? That? Ezekiel Elliott. And Ezekiel Elliott. I think A.J. Dillon is right fucking there. Oh, my God. That dude cannot. He's 200. He's almost 400 fucking pounds. His legs are bigger than fucking my torso. And this dude is scared to hit a fucking hole. I, I understand. It, it it enrages me. And, and, and the, the play that I think of from this year is if there was a third and one. Um, in the second half of the Falcons game, and we were at just on the Falcons' side of the field, but driving, and we handed in the ball. And with AJ Dillon, a one-yard run shouldn't take much. Should be able I to mean, follow. You, you you give him five yards to run up. You get that pa- those pads going. You get the pads low. Run behind your pads a little bit and fall for a first down. It shouldn't be that big of an issue. But that fucker cannot stay on his feet he he can't he's always tripping in the backfield all the time he but he gets the ball tries to make a cut and his ass is on the ground i mean and he obviously you can't plow anybody over when you're falling over it, it just doesn't work so i love i like the aj Dillon pick um he was our replacement for jamal williams we needed a number two back but now i'm sitting here thinking i'm like well he he can't play. I mean, he got he's gotten benched for an undrafted free agent at the end of the Saints game. I mean, Patrick Taylor was taking carries from him. Who and Patrick Taylor is his ceiling is a number three back in the NFL. Like he's a practice squad guy. So AJ Dillon, I love you. I think um, I mean he's he loves the state of Wisconsin. He's great for the fans, um, and I, I think he's a fun guy. But. His production on the field has not really come to fruition, and it, it is very frustrating as a fan. So, that kind of concludes our. Hold on, I got, I got to say something about the game this week because just real quick about the Lions package game. Okay, okay, yeah, uh, go for it. Sorry. Looking at it, if if I had to predict the game, I would say uh, the Lions win. Based off of one stat I've seen today, because I honestly going into this year said the Lions were going to lose at Lambeau this year, because a Lambeau night game I would say is arguably the might be the hardest place to play in the NFL, honestly. But I would say yes. Yeah, but Jordan Love is second 
he has the second lowest completion percentage in the NFL right now. And I'm not saying the line, the Lions have an elite defense yet, not even close. But I think with you guys missing the whole left side of your line and this Chris, this being Christian Watson's first game back, I just don't see you guys having much success throwing the ball. Now, Aaron Jones might get us, get going on us in the receiving game and the running game because I, I think our linebacks are horrible at guarding running backs in pass coverage. But uh, I think it'll be a good game. I think it's also a big game because I think the division is between the Packers and Lions. It's not even close. I think it's oh, between yeah. those two teams. At this point, I, and I think, think both teams might else. sneak into the playoffs no matter what. But looking at the Lions' schedule, if the Lions win this, we'll start out the year 5-1 and because after this, we play the Panthers at home and then we go to the Bucks. So, I mean, this, this is a big game for the Packers. If the Packers can pick this up, this would be huge because I don't know who the well, – Packers got after these two, or so, after this game, but... I'll, yeah, I'll tell you. The Packers play, they play Thursday this week. Then we have 11 days off, and we play the Raiders on Monday night football. Then we have our bye week, so we get another two weeks off, basically, off of that. So, this is obviously, I listed some of the players that are hurt, a very injured team right now. Like I said, going into tomorrow, um, Watson's I mean, they're expected to play, but Watson's questionable. Jones is questionable. Jair Alexander is questionable. So a lot of these guys are questionable, not playing. The Packers basically play two games in the month of October. Um, so if they can sneak out with this one, and then the next two teams they play as well is Las Vegas, the Raiders, and the Denver Broncos, which are two bottom of the barrel teams, so just like you, you could argue, you could argue whoever wins this game can set your five and one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, as long big, as big game for the division, because that I just looked at the Packers schedule. That's that's a weak ass schedule. There's not mm-hmm. the only team I see in there besides the Lions that is a good team right now. Play the Chiefs. Is the Chiefs? That's that's it though. I mean, you got the. You got, you got the Vikings and Bears two times this year, and then you got Steelers, Rams. Uh, Rams Char- is kind of a trap game, I think. I, and I think playing at Pittsburgh's tough, too. And then uh, Chargers at home should be fine. Not an easy game, but, no. yeah. But, but then we, this year you also play the uh, NFC. You play the whole NFC South just like we do. It's crossover, our crossover so, this year. But pretty easy schedule this year. Yeah. So this Yeah, this is a big game, and I think the – the Packers-Lions games will be crucial because I think they ha- could have some very similar records come the end of the year, and obviously that's what it'll come down to is that head-to-head record. So, yep. so yeah, yeah, I'm I'm excited for tomorrow, um, and I'll finally be able to watch a full game. I haven't been able to watch a full game no since shit. week one, so I'm really excited for that. Um, but yeah, so that kind of concludes our our NFL talk for the day, and. Uh, we want to talk about one more game before we wrap it up for the night. And I'm going to kind of turn it over for to Tanner for this game um, because he's this is his thing. This, he's got the Notre Dame shirt on right now. So let's talk a little bit about that Ohio State-Notre Dame game. Yeah, so uh, I went to the game. It was a great time. One of my buddies from OSU, his mom's an alumni, got tickets, went for free. It was sweet. Uh Second time ever going to a Notre Dame game. Well, third, but I mean, I don't know when I was young. But I went, so I went to Cincinnati game in 2021. Lost. Until I State game this year, lost. So 
the whole game, I think Notre Dame controlled controlled the whole game. I think Notre Dame was the better team, played better, which is hard to say when you lose. I mean, at the end of the day, we lost. But that game had a lot of uh, moments in it where uh, my heart had a few uh, palpitations just from how pissed off I got at the things that happened. So to, to start out, first half, it was I knew it was going to be a low-scoring game. Everyone thought it was going to be a shootout, but... Notre Dame, whenever they play a good team, for some reason, even if we have, I'm not going to call Sam Hartman an elite quarterback, but I would say he's top-tier quarterback in college football. Mm-hmm. We love to run the ball, no matter no matter who it's against, no matter what. And, I, and we had success. I think we ran for like 176 yards, something like that. And Lou Holtz, before the game, I'm sure you've seen the clips by now, called Ohio State soft. soft. Mm-hmm. They don't bring their lunch pail to work. Not blue-collar football mm-hmm. team, bunch of pansies. And that was proven on the field that they are pussies. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> our offensive line kicked their fucking ass. And our defensive line kicked their fucking ass. If you take out the 60-yard run they had where we had misalignment on defense, because our, our D-line actually on that play, which I'm top row in the stadium, and I mean, I like just like watch everything in the game. Our D-line shifted before the snap. So during the snap count, our D-line shifted all over a gap to the right. It was a sweep left. And our linebackers all shifted over a gap to the right as well. And I, th- I believe they motioned some over from the left side and their safety came running across the field. So the whole left side was wide open, ran a sweep, whatever. But you take that run away, they had like 23 rushes for 60 yards. And they couldn't stop our run game, which I would say majority of football, based off physical toughness, is built in the trenches in the run game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, for sure. So now getting to the end of the game, we go up 14-10. Uh, I feel confident. We get the ball back. We stop them on fourth and one. They run a jet sweep. Five minutes left in the game. DJ Brown, number two, stuffs him. Me and uh, my cousin, Drew Mater, was at the game. We're fucking jumping, screaming at the Ohio State fan behind us that was grabbing my shoulder on, like, hanging all over me. She almost got wind tunnel clocked. <laughs> we don't hit girls on this, but uh, anyways. So we get the ball back, go five wide, 11-yard throw to the boundary, first down. Next time we bring our lead back in, run for 12 yards, and then we run some dumbass fake handoff trap play, lose five yards, whatever. We punt the ball away. They got a minute, two minutes left, something like that, or a minute left because Ryan Day didn't use his timeout, which ended up being huge. So they go driving. It's first and 10 from our 40. Number two, I wish I could put this. This is the part I wish I could put the clips up. And Cal McCord throws the football so softly and right at, our guy, number two, DJ Brown. I hope that this is your last year ever playing for us. I hope that you missed the bus this week. I don't wish anything bad on your family, but at the same time, same time. Anyways, goes right through his fucking hands. Game ceiling pick. I mean, I, I, I mean, I almost passed out. I was so fucking pissed when he dropped that pick. Yeah. And then it, goes, it gets to third and fifteen. They throw a seam door one yard line. And so they review it. There's 15 seconds on the clock, so it's 10-second runoff, right? Mm-hmm. Once they review it. But Ohio State had a timeout, so they use their timeout, which if they didn't, then Ohio State had five seconds at the one. And with the running play clock. With the running play clock. So the game's over after that. They get one play. Mm-hmm. So they get down there. The first play was a out route to Marvin Harrison, and who he, he didn't really do much against us. I think he had three catches for 32 yards. He got locked up by Benjamin Morrison anyways. Stopped them, and then uh, they ran it in on the final play, obviously. But uh, on the last 
two plays, I'm sure you know this as well, we had 10 guys on the football field. Mm-hmm. On the very last play, there was a guy named DJ Moore. Or not DJ Moore. What did I just, I, I just forgot his name. I got to look at it. DJ Brown. There's a guy named DJ Brown. Yes, the same fucking guy that dropped the pick. Blitzed off the edge, was in the backfield. If he dives, takes his, takes uh, takes the legs out. Takes the legs out, doesn't score a touchdown. It was, uh, what's his name? I think his name's Demonte Trayman. Is the running back that his nickname is Chip? That's why Ohio State fans are ch- chanting Chip, whatever his fucking name is. <laughs> but <laughs> DJ Brown is. If there was a hated list in this world, he would be number one for me right now. And I understand as a college athlete, it's a little different being a D2 baseball player against a Division One powerhouse football player and feeling like pressure or fans heat after the game. But, buddy, I don't, I never blame a single game on one person, but he single-handedly lost us that fucking game. Single-handed. Yeah. Dropped two picks, actually. In the first half, when Ohio State... Uh, kick the first field goal. It hit him in the numbers. Like I've lit- I've watched people throw footballs in the FRT here at Finley on the baseball team, catch balls better than DJ Brown. Yeah, that's that's kind of seems why they put him on defense a lot of the time, just because they can't catch the ball, so you don't want him running routes on offense. But for sure, like especially at a game like that where you you knew it wasn't going to be really high scoring, you knew that you know you score. Two touchdowns, you're gonna have a good chance to win the game. It's it's really difficult to just give away points like that, and those two drop picks result in ten points against. I mean, obviously that's yep. a game. So he makes one of those plays, and you know that's that's probably the game. So it's it, it, like you said, it's really tough to narrow it down on one person. But when when something like that happens, it's it's really difficult to uh, to come back from that. And but going to back to the ten players on defense, the last couple plays there. That can't. That's that's unacceptable. It, that's that's just off, on a, yeah. off of a timeout too. Yeah, off I of mean, a timeout. Off of a timeout. The coaches just can't let that happen in a game of that magnitude. Like, yeah. you know. And if and who knows, they could have scored the touchdown no, with eleven on the. I, uh, too, I did you watch the last play of the game? Yeah. I fully believe – so I ran right at where our defensive end would have been. I fully believe that if we had our 11 guy there, they don't score, which, I mean, it, you can't make an assumption like that. But the, the dude barely crossed the goal line, and there wasn't a single defensive lineman from the uh, one hole to the – all the way over. We, we, had a, we had an outside linebacker, I think, in like the C gap, and then our DJ fucking Brown was – up on the edge basically playing like he I think he was playing corner basically even though there's no eligible I guess the tackle was eligible but like you're not gonna throw a pass tight end on the game Mm -hmm. three seconds to win the game but yeah that one hurt so uh I came up with two little segments for us to finish here uh who was your loser of the week in the NFL could be a player could be a team could be a coach who's your loser well I'm gonna have to say um, good question. I I really want to say the entire Broncos team uh, for giving up seventy. Um, but I'm gonna kind of target it a little more 
more. I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk targeted at the Broncos organization as a whole as being the loser. Giving up 70 points in the NFL is is crazy. That's 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 unheard of. And then also being that you gave up those 70 points to a guy that used to be your ball boy is pretty embarrassing. So I'm gonna say my loser is the Denver Broncos. Yeah, that's that uh. That'd probably be my pick, too, but I'm going to go with something different just so we have different answers here. But uh, if I had to pick a second team, I would probably have to go with Zach Wilson because I have never seen a single player fuck up a locker room as bad as he has. Yeah. I mean, a a shoe-in Hall of Fame quarterback is defending him, and the head coach to save the GM's ass is what I think. But it's uh, creating some creating some locker room issues, and I still think that the Jets are good enough to be a playoff team, even with a shitty quarterback and a shitty offensive coordinator. But that defense is good enough to carry them to the playoffs if they get someone at the quarterback position that is just good enough. He doesn't have to. He could throw for 200, 200 yards every game, fifteen times, fifteen pass attempts, not turn the ball over, and they would be Run the damn ball. perfectly fine. Yep. Yeah. And then. Uh, uh, moving on to the last segment, looking at this uh, week of games, if you had to pick uh, one lock of the week, one upset, and then one uh, blowout, what uh, what games would you pick? Blowout. Okay. I, I mean, can I can go real quick if you need some time. Here. Yeah, you can you can go here while I look <clears> at the games. Uh, I would say my uh, upset of the week. I I don't really know if you necessarily would call this an upset, but uh, as far as fans and analysts are concerned, it would be. But I uh, think the New England Patriots are going to go into Dallas, Jerry World, and uh, win that game. I just can't see uh, Dak having much success against Bill Belichick. It seems every like top offense in the league has an outstanding start. Like Even the Dolphins, they went, they went into Gillette Stadium – they only put up 24 points, and I'm pretty sure New England was missing their top two corners. That game as well. I think that Dallas against a good defense is going to struggle this year because of McCarthy's play calling. And then my lock of the week, I want to take the Lions, but it's going to be too good of a game to do that. So uh, my lock of the week is going to be pretty easy here. I'm going to take uh, Kansas City or New York or the Jet Jets. Yep, I'd say, I'd say that's a pretty safe pick. And then uh, my blowout of the week, I think that the uh, Minnesota Vikings are going to blow out the Panthers. I can't see them starting 0-4. Mm-hmm. The Panthers aren't a very good football team. They threw the ball 57 times last week with Andy Dalton. They're going to get it. I mean, the offense has been clicking, but the Panthers are so bad offensively, it doesn't really matter how bad the Vikings are defensively. So... I think Minnesota wins big by 15-plus. Yeah. I I honestly was thinking about taking that one myself, but I will uh, go and I will uh, take a different one just, just out of spite so it can be a little different. For my lock of the week, I'm going to take the 3-0 Eagles over the 2-1 Commanders. I know the Commanders are 2-1, but Sam Howell, dude. Um, it's, not, it's not a good football team. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a great team. The Eagles are going to probably run for 350 yards. Like they are going to the rest of the year, they're just going to run the ball. I don't see a better offensive line in the league, so 
Um, the Eagles will be my lock over the Commanders. My upset of the week, I'm going to take the Rams over the Colts. Now, this is kind of – You think that's an upset? I mean, I'm, they, I'm they are 2-1, and one, but – I'm like, going to say it's an upset based on record. Okay. Um, and I think – I think the Colts are a little bit better overall football team than the Rams, even though they are a very close. Uh, they're very similar teams, I think. Um, but I am going to take the Rams over the Colts for the upset. Um, this this is kind of difficult this week because I think a lot of these games are kind of just a lot of – I mean, it's a lot of division games this week, um, and it looks like – a lot of them could be pretty close. I mean, you don't see a ton, but I think for my blowout of the week, I'm going to take the 49ers big time over the Cardinals. Um, you know, I in know San Fran too. Yeah, yeah, I know the Cardinals won last week, but I mean, blind squirrel finds a nut once in a lifetime. The 49ers are probably the best team in football. I think they're going to go win big. And then uh, one more thing: look at this slate. This is just overall in the NFL this year. I don't know about you, but the primetime games this year, besides the Lions and Chiefs, and then I think besides the Lions and Packers this Thursday, have been fucking horrible. Kansas Chiefs and Jets, and <laughs> Seattle so and New York, and like so honestly, like it makes me not even want to watch. I might as well just go to bed early that night. It's yeah. not. It's not good football. Those are those are just bad games. I mean, I don't know how they gas them up anymore. Like, it's usually so fun. Like. Well, listen to that Sunday night football theme and everything right before yeah. the game. It's like, let's fucking go. You know, we got a good matchup here. And then you see the Chiefs are playing Zach Wilson's Jets, and it's like, well, like what, what am I watching? Here? I'm looking at the schedule right now. The Bills and the and the Dolphins play at 1 o'clock. Like, that's either, that should either be America's game of the week. Just flex it. Yeah, I mean. Who do we got for the game of the week? Um, well, it looks like Fox has – uh, Niners, Cardinals, Cowboys, Patriots. It's, it's going to be Cowboys, Patriots for game of the week. Or do they do two? No, there's just one game of the week. And I'm, I'm assuming so, it's it's got to be Dallas. Yeah, and there's no so way well. Cardinals are getting so the game so. of the week this year yeah. or this season. Well, the Bears got one last week, and they're just they're fucking worse. So. I mean, to, but, yeah. to be fair, they make the schedule before the season, so you never really know. But, I mean, it's just like, like – I. When I'm watching primetime football, I don't watch superstars. And, like that's the one thing I will say, yeah. college as well is every single Saturday the best games. If it's not, I mean, besides like big noon kickoff, there's a couple of good games on normally, but like majority of the games for that are played at 7:30 on a Saturday night. Yeah, which is which is how things. Uh, I think the NFL should uh, flex games more often. Like, yeah, you usually don't see a lot of flexes until the end of the season. And, yeah. But, like, yeah, I agree. The The quality of primetime games has just been abysmal this year, and hopefully we get to, we get a few matchups coming up. But, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to watch the game tomorrow night. It'll take some stress off me on Sunday. Don't have to, don't have to worry about missing my Packers on Sunday. So, um, we, we did get a bump in practice time at 11.30 every week now, so we might be able to – might, might might be able to catch those second half. Catch catch like half the third quarter, so that'll be nice to at least watch the game a little bit. Yeah, yeah, you watch it a little more when yeah. it matters. So, but yeah, yeah. So I think that'll uh, that'll about do it for our our first episode here. Um, I don't know. I had a lot of fun. So yeah, this was a good time. And then uh, I I don't know what we're planning on doing. Like for are we gonna like, do it every Wednesday night? Yeah, and then yeah. I think post it Thursday. And try to get it out by Thursday for sure. Yeah. So uh, 
Is our name gonna be the same on Spotify? Yeah, you don't know yeah. ball. You don't know ball podcast um, on on your platforms. Uh, we're gonna try to be on YouTube, Spotify, and RSS. So um, yeah, uh, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll uh, hopefully talk to you next week.